Good evening, and welcome to the Revelation Podcast. My name is John, and I would like to thank you for taking time to click on play and listen to wherever you are listening at. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Well, if you've been following this podcast for the last two weeks, you will see that I've been going through the book of Exodus. And we've been looking at to see Jesus in Exodus. And in part 12, I did the plague of darkness. And we are getting close to the last plague, which is the plague of death for the firstborn of Egypt. And to continue onward, I want us to go to Exodus chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And with those three verses, we will be looking at God's favor. And I know I just said to go to Exodus chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. But we are not going to go in there right away because I want us to take a look at Revelation chapter 19, verses 16 through 21. And with this podcast, I will mostly go with ESV. And I think I've been going with ESV for the last three or four Maybe the next podcast I'll switch it up to maybe like KJV or maybe a combination of KJV, ESV, you know. So, all right. So, if you had a chance to pause, we are at Revelation chapter 19, verses 16 through 21. And what I want you to see when we're reading this is I want you to see a lot of free stuff that the birds got after Armageddon. On his robe, and this is Jesus, and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, Come, gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders, and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw a beast, and the kings of the earth, with their armies, gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who in presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by a sword that came from the mouth of the horse of him who was sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. So on the day of Armageddon, Jesus will be victorious. There will be a lot of people slain. 
and the birds will have a feast of a lifetime. You know, the birds will have so much flesh on that day that I don't know what they're going to be thinking. You know, it's going to be a quite a day for them. And notice how still at the end that God still provides for the birds. You know, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he tells all those people to look at the birds. Look at how they don't plant, they don't gather, and they don't store away. Because the Father provides all they need. Even Jesus noticed the bird having favor from his Father. Now, I want us to take a look at another time where God showed favor. And it's to a group of leopards. Go to 2 Kings chapter 7. Verses 5 through 8. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. Now, if you read verses um, past verse 8 of Second Kings chapter 7, you know that leprosy will eventually go and tell the Israelites about all the stuff that the Assyrians left behind. Now, this is a passage where God shows favor to a group of lepers and to the nation of Israel by giving them all this free stuff, you know. We see what the lepers had. That You know, the lepers, you know, they went into a tent and they ate and drank and they carried off silver and gold. And tonight, when we look at the Israelites, you know, I mean, when we look at God telling Moses what to tell the Israelites to do. God tells Moses to tell the Israelites that ask their neighbor for jewelry. So we see that God throughout Revelation and throughout the Old Testament that he's still the same God, that he's still providing for them. And now throughout Throughout the land of Israel, throughout the land of Canaan, you know, they established houses. And later on, God uses those houses and land to give to the Israelites. 
we see that in Numbers chapter 32, verse 22. And this is after the Israelites left Egypt. And they're in a transition of going into the promised land. And the land of Sadduq, before the Lord, that after that you shall return and be free of obligation to the Lord, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. And in Genesis chapter 15, verses 18 through 21, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land. From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadomites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Riphian, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gershurites, and the Jebusites. Now, we see from these passages that from Numbers chapter 32, verse 22, where God provides land. And I know that in this passage that the tribe of Reubenites they noticed the land on the other side of the Jordan and they saw it being good and they wanted it and the Israelites misunderstood them they thought they were trying to abandon them but that's not the case you know they told them that you know hey we'll go help you fight in Canaan we'll help you establish your land then we'll come over here and this will be our land well the land that the Israelites went into after Egypt was the land that God promised Abram, you know. God made a covenant with Abram with the land that Canaan was occupying while the Israelites were exiled in Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, God prophesied on that in Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 through 14. The Lord said to Abram, Know for a certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs. There will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. In Exodus, this prophecy is fulfilled about Israel. The Israelites are slaves in Egypt. God brings and continues to bring judgment on the Egyptians. And at the end of this, they shall come out with a lot of free stuff. And we see that Exodus chapter 11 verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask, every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor, for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. No. So... Where am I getting with all these scriptures? You notice that in Revelation that God provided for the birds at the after the last battle. And in Second Kings, we see God provide free stuff to the lepers and to the rest of Israel. 
And then we see when the Israelites head back to to the promised land that they are getting a land and they're in that land. They're getting houses that they didn't have to build. And we see from Exodus chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 that God instructs Moses that he tells them to have the Israelites gather jewelry from their neighbor. You know, what I want us to see is that I want us to see that God in the Bible is the same God today. You know, earlier on I mentioned from Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus pointed out to the birds and showed that they don't worry. And he asked the question of, are we more valuable than the birds? And the question is, yes. You know, in Genesis, we see that God has given us dominion over all living creatures, and that includes the birds. And God provided them. And God continues to provide for us. We can trust Him. You know, God got us. So do not worry about stuff. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul writes, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, to let us see why we should not worry because God's got us, I want to take verse 6 apart, and I want to look at them in sentences and the first sentence i want us to look at is do not be anxious or do not worry about nothing the lord is the same in exodus malachi chapter 3 verse 6 says for i the lord do not change therefore you O children of jacob are not consume you know we see throughout the book of Exodus that God promised Moses that he would deliver Israel out of Egypt and they will come out with great possessions in 1st Peter chapter 5 verse 7 it says cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you we can trust in God because he is the same God and he keeps his promises. Now, another thing to know about our relationship with God and when it comes for him taking care of us, we are his children. Now, some of you might say, well, how are we his children? We'll look at Romans chapter 8, verse 16. It says, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit, and here we go, that we are children of God. When we are born again of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit regenerates our spirit so we can declare that we are children of God. As children of God, 
we inherit the same promises that God gave Abraham. Now, when Jesus was in the upper room on the night before his death, he tells them in John chapter 15, verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know, when we are born again of the Spirit, we say that we follow Jesus and we obey his words. And we see that even in the Old Testament, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, God tells Joshua, This book of the law, which is the same as my words, shall not depart from your mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night. Now, when we are worried, a great scripture to meditate on is one that we are going down from, from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, where it says, Don't be anxious about anything. And continue onward, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Well, right now we are at do not be anxious. And we're going to go through the rest of the sentences in this verse. But I want us to use Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 as an example of scripture to meditate on. Now, there are other scriptures that you can meditate on. The Word of God is filled with great things to meditate on. Well, going back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. After God tells Joshua that you should meditate on day and night, then he tells him, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. And that's the same thing Jesus is telling his disciples and us. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You see, Jesus, being God, is the law giver. The book of the law came from him. He gave it to Joshua. God in the Old Testament is the same in the New Testament, and he is the same today. You know, in John chapter 15, verse 7, after he tells his disciples to abide in him and in his words, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Well, we see God telling Joshua that if you meditate on my word, and you're careful to do what is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. When we follow Christ and in his words, we will be prosperous and we will have success. And Jesus says that whatever you ask in my name and it will be done for you. Now, we see the promises of God even being delivered to the Israelites as they're about to go into the promised land. 
Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 2 says, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. You know, God is the same. And he does that for us today. And at the end of verse 2, after he tells them that I will overfill you with blessings if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Same thing that Jesus said in the upper room. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. The same thing that God said to Joshua that if you meditate meditate on my word day and night and be careful to do what is written, you know, you will have blessings that will overtake you. I mean, God's going to bless you so much. That is going to overtake you. And if you look at Psalms chapters 37 verses 3 through 4. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. In other words, be his friend. Trust in God. And then delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your Heart. Now, before I go on and talk about on how we can overcome worry without being anxious for nothing, I want us to clarify misconception on what it means to be blessed by God. You know, being blessed by God does not mean that you'll be a millionaire or billionaire in God's word he never said that he's going to make his children millionaires and billionaires however God is faithful where he's going to keep you full with the basic needs that you're going to have shelter you're going to have a place to rest your head you're going to have plenty of food to eat and you're going to have enough clothes to wear. So, long before we get to the place of worrying, and Satan attacks us through the flesh with worry. And when you are an immature Christian, sometimes that worry gets deep. And you might be panicking. Well, we need to get into the Word daily. The Word of God gives us strength so that we can overcome worry. And not only just overcome worry. The moment that we feel the enemy tingle worry inside of us, we already know what to do. In our spirit, we already know. And we just automatically react in the right way. To do that, we have to put God first. Seek first His kingdom. You know. And throughout this episode about God's favor... We're going to look and see on how we put God first. 
And now I want us to go into the next sentence of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. After Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. In this, I want us to take a look at everything by prayer and supplication. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, Pray without ceasing. And in a little while, we'll go in depth to see what it is to pray without ceasing. But I want to go into short sentences, short little steps that we can meditate on when we feel the enemy tingle us with worry. In a previous verse before that, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul writes, Rejoice always. And we also see that in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, a lot of things that causes us to worry comes from what we put in front of our eyes and what we put in our ears. You know, in the 21st century in the United States, we love to be entertained. You know, we live in a day where we have access to more entertainment more than ever. You know, all the things that you used to have to go to the local video renters to rent and buy, you could watch that stuff online for free. Now, entertainment in the world usually goes against God's teaching. Satan uses entertainment as a way to corrupt us so we could turn away from him. You know, when we look at a movie or a CD that seems very enjoyable and it doesn't look like it's going to harm us, yet at first it may seem very pleasant when it sings about the world and what the world can offer you and what you should be getting in the world you know and so that leads us into a mindset to spend more than what we should and next thing you know we're looking at our checking account and we're seeing negativity you know we're seeing a lot of negativity and we're like uh oh oh no I don't have enough money. You start to worry. And it comes from the mindset that the world brings into your thoughts and senses. And so, you know, you're under this influence where you're buying and just buying. And next thing you know, you're in debt. You just have so much debt. And what happens to you when you start allowing the world come in, you take your eyes off Christ and you put on things that can never, ever 
satisfy you. So you have all this stuff around you and you're worried and you're trying to find ways to get out of that worry and get out of debt. So you're continuing to go down on the pipeline throughout the world and you're just being filled with this entertainment, this negativity that tells you, hey, you got to have more stuff, you know, you got to have this, you got to have this, you got to look like this in order to have the life. And so we no longer rejoice in the Lord. We gravitate towards the world that will never rejoice in us. Our soul can never rejoice back towards it and be satisfied, you know. And so what we have to do to get out of worry and be free from the tingling of worry is that, you know, we have to put God first. And way to put God first is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And this is how we do that. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19, Paul says, Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I like that at the end. Making melody to the Lord with your heart. You know, psalms is an amazing book. Filled with songs that was singing to the Lord. You know, the Israelites back then did a little bit differently than what our musicians would do. You know, when a song artist is getting ready to write a song, they usually come up with a tune first, then the lyrics. Well, in the Old Testament, it's the exact opposite that they will write the song, the words out, and then they will play a Melody, And so, you know, those psalms that we see in the book of Psalms, you know, we see, you know, David praising and thanking God and just trusting in him. You know, a while ago we read from Psalms chapter 37 verses 3 through 4 where David talks about trust in the Lord and do good. And remember that, trust in the Lord and do good. And that's a great place to start to fill our heart with melody. Just think about trust in the Lord and do good. And that goes back to what Jesus says. If you abide in me and in my words, and that's what God says in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, that do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate it on day and night. You know, the Word of God is good for our soul. You know, yes, along the way, it's going to correct us because we have sin in our lives that needs to be addressed. That needs to be addressed before we can move forward with God. And the entertainment that fills us with the flesh, you know, it fills us with envy and jealousy. And we just want so much more stuff. We get away from God. And next thing you know, instead of worshiping the Creator, we're worshiping His things that He has made with stuff. We become materialistic. And the world says, you don't have enough. You need to get more. And you're running the rat race. And you're just accumulating debt 
up to your heels and you're just filled with worry and you know you just have to stop right there and just disconnect from the world and just you know go to spotify just type up some worship songs some old school worship songs that you know lord i lift your name on high lord hosanna you know and just oh god you're an awesome god he reigns and just start filling your heart with a melody and next thing you know you're Spirit is starting to bright up and also you're starting to sing that song and inside your belly is starting to be comfortable and warm and you next thing you know you're starting to sing others with a song and you know where does all that begin you know it begins getting into the word daily you know Jesus tells the people that hey listen I am the bread of life. Consume my flesh. What he's telling that is to consume my words daily. Consume my words daily. And when you consume your words daily, the Spirit's going to lead you into a song that's from within your heart. You're going to be singing that song. And it's such a great song that you're going to do what it says in Philippians chapter 4 verse 4 and in First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16 you're going to rejoice always and you're going to rejoice in where you're supposed to rejoice in and that is in the Lord now all this stuff talking about singing unto the Lord look at what it says in James chapter 5 verse 13 he asked a question to the brethren is anyone among you suffering let him what pray and we're going to get into what it means to pray without ceasing and look at the next question is anyone cheerful let him sing praise you know i feel like you could even sing praise when you're suffering you know when paul was with silas in the jail you know did they have a pity party what did they do they worship God. They sang praises to Him, you know. So while we feel a tingly of worry, and when we're under worry, you know, we could sing praises always. All right. Now, I want us to talk about prayer, you know. I read the sentence from Ephesians chapter 4 verse 6 where it talks about but in everything by prayer by prayer we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 17 praying without ceasing Ephesians chapter 6 Verse 18 says the same thing, but a little bit differently, yet same thing. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. 
Now, the first word that I want to look at from verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6 is supplication. Because Paul used it twice. Now, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. The Greek word for supplication is diasis. Diasis. It's a noun. And it means to want. Uh, it means to have a particular need. So when we have something that we need, we should bring it before God. That's the first place we should go. We should go to God. Yet, I don't want you to overlook what we just talked about. Because there's a reason why Paul put what he put in order in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Remember, the first thing says, Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. And don't worry about anything. And then he tells, But in everything by prayer and supplication. And what are we supposed to do with supplication? With thanksgiving. And down the line we'll talk about thanksgiving. Because rejoicing in the Lord and thanking Him ties into putting God first. It ties into seeking His kingdom first. And so before we pray and put our supplication you know, we should begin to rejoice in the Lord. We should praise Him for what He is. And what that does is that calms us down. So we could have a clear mind. And we can approach Him the way that He should be approached. Now, once we are peaceful, you know, we then can bring our supplication in the way that King Hezekiah did. And to see that, look at 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the hands of the messengers. This letter that King Hezekiah received and read came for the Syrian king that wanted to destroy him and wanted to take his kingdom. And this is how King Hezekiah did with his supplication. Hezekiah went to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Pray at all times in the the spirit with all prayer and supplication but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God we see King Hezekiah do that by going to the Lord's house and laying out the letter before him he is laying out his 
supplication. All right. I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And I want us to look at the first sentence where it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit. Praying at all times in the Spirit. That sentence can be compared to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, where it says, Prayer without ceasing. And now we're going to look at more and what it means to pray without ceasing. Pray in the Spirit. When we pray in the Spirit, we pray in tongues. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, notice what it says, my spirit prays. My spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. When we pray, we can pray both in mind and with the Spirit. Now, I want to answer the question of what am I to do? Well, when we're praying nonstop, we will pray with our spirit, but we'll also pray with our mind. You know, in First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse fifteen says, "What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also." And notice, I will sing praise with my spirit. So you don't only just praise through the soul and through your body, but you also praise with your spirit. But I will also sing with my mind also. Another example, we could pray with our mind and our spirit. In the same way, we could praise God in our mind and with our spirit. Praying in the spirit is praying in tongues. Now, I want to address the objective in tongues. The word used wrongly against it is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Paul writes, Love never ends. As for prophecy, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. People that do not believe in tongues or prophecy will use what I just read. They are definitely taken out of context. When Christ reigns in Jerusalem, then all the spiritual gifts will cease because we will not need them anymore. Everyone then will have the word written in their hearts. And nobody will have to be evangelized anymore, which the purpose of the gifts are for. When Paul said our gifts will cease, he was referring to after Jesus is in Jerusalem. So, yes, our spiritual gifts will cease after Jesus is in Jerusalem. Until then, 
the gifts of the Spirit are all active. Now, if you don't have the gift of praying in tongue or prophecy, and you are yearning for these gifts, well, you can ask for gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. When we ask for spiritual gifts, you know, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gift. See? You can desire the spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. Earlier on, read from Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. If you abide in Me, and abide in My words, whatever you ask for, and it will be done. Now, we could pray with our mind, and we could pray in spirit. From my experience with it, even though I don't understand what I'm praying in spirit, afterwards, I just feel so much stronger in spirit. When we pray in tongues, we pray to God in spirit that no man understands. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to man, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters the mysteries in the spirit. Notice how many times I said in the spirit so far. In the spirit. And that's the same thing in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 when Paul says, pray at all times in the Spirit. The way that we pray in the Spirit is through tongues. Now, we will know what it means to pray without ceasing when we learn how to pray in tongues. We'll pray at all times in the Spirit. When we pray, we should want to be filled with the Spirit. That's where we begin to where we can pray in tongues, is where we are being filled with the Spirit. There's a difference, like praying in tongues versus not praying in tongues. There's also a difference from being just born of the Spirit and being full of the Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. You know, the Greek word filled is continuously overflowing that you're not stopping to be filled with the spirit you know paul tells them don't be drunk with wine people that are alcoholics that they don't just sip one sip and stop or they don't stop drinking once they're drunk they'll continue to drink they'll continue to drink well, that idea of continue to be filled continuously is how our approach should be with the Spirit. Now, how to be filled with the Spirit? 
Well, number one, we meditate on the word day and night. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, Do not let this book of law depart from my mouth. Meditate on day and night. All right, how to be led by spirit. Number two, learn to be led by the word. You know, inside, the Holy Spirit is the light towards our inner man. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27 says, The lamp of the Lord is on the inner man. So, the Word of God, it fills us and it enlightens us. So, for us to be filled with the Spirit, we have to learn to be led by the Word. That's why it's so important for us to take the act of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And that is to not be conformed to this world. Do not be connected to it. Disconnect from it. And do not be conformed with the world but be transformed with the renewal of your mind with the word with the word and third thing is make melody in your heart Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart Another way to be filled with the Spirit is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Be thankful always. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can meditate on the Word, learn to be led by the Word, make a psalm in our heart, and always be thankful. So those are four things things that you can do to begin filled with the spirit and when we begin to be filled with the spirit the spirit may give us the ability to pray in tongues so that we can pray in understanding and we can also pray in spirit and another thing we could do Found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. And when I say another thing we could do, I'm referring to what can we do to be filled with the Spirit and not just be born of the Spirit. And that is to submit to others. Give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Willing to submit ourselves to others, you know. Christ gave us a great example when he washed his feet of his disciples and later on he went on the cross to die for our sins. He gave us an example of what it means to submit to one another. Now, when it comes to praying in tongues, it's a mystery to us that prayer in tongues, that it's unfruitful for us to understand. Now, rules to follow when interpreting it. And this comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 27 through 28. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn. And let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. 
Well, we have three things from this that we should follow if we decide we need to interpret what's being prayed in tongue. Number one, let two or three interpret in turn. So there needs to be at least two or three people that has a gift of interpretation. Now, number two, if no one is there to interpret, then it's best for who prayed in tongues to keep quiet. So if you're praying in tongues and there's no one there to interpret, then it's best to remain quiet about it. And number three, remember, praying in tongues is edification for unbelievers. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Therefore, before you begin to pray on the tongues, number one, meditate on the word. Number two, fill your song with praise. Number three, thank God. Number four, be led by the word. And number five, if you do not have it, then ask God for it. And I'm talking about praying in tongues. Believe that he will give it when you ask him. So, cease without praying means praying nonstop. The way to be able to pray nonstop is be able to pray both ways. Be praying in mind and praying in spirit with the tongue. Now, going back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but always in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Now, I kind of already talked about being thankful. We looked at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, where be thankful always as a way to get ourselves raised to be filled with the Spirit. You know, when we start thanking God more... And this is a great thing for all of us to do, especially for those who cannot yet pray in tongues. You know, it's amazing that before I prayed in tongues, you know, I was worried. And whenever I start to worry or feel a tingle of worrying, you know, I just start thanking God for small things and big things. And it's amazing on how worry just leaves me. The enemy just leaves me because the spirit is getting strong because of the joy it has in God from being thankful. And being thankful reminds me that God's got me. I have the favor of God. You know. And in First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When you are no longer anxious and the Spirit reminds you peace in Him, then let your supplications be made known to God. And then Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers... Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about 
these things. All these things in verse 8 comes from being able to meditate on the Word. When we're constantly meditating on the Word, our spirit is growing strong. And we should be looking at whatever is true. When we look at whatever is true, we are being free from worry. And to see whatever is true, there are three things. Number one, meditate on His Word. Number two, transform your mind daily with the Word. And three, meditate on the birds God created. I mean... If it's a nice day outside and hear birds chirping in the air, just look at the birds and just think of Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. Jesus says, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Know that worry will not give you additional time, because we still have 24 hours a day. And do not worry about tomorrow. Know that God got you. Matthew chapter 6 verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for a day is its own trouble. In Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. When you put God first. He will free you from worry with his peace. You'll find strength in his joy. You'll want to be filled with the Spirit. You'll always be full from him. Now, this doesn't mean he will make us millionaires and billionaires. Being full from him means he got us and we will not run out of basic needs. You will see his favor that he gave the children of Israel on their way out of Egypt in your life when you trust in Him. Amen. Well, in the next episode or podcast, we will continue on into chapter 11 of Jesus and Exodus. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this. And I say this, that when you're listening to me, that you should not just listen to me. I hope that you have the word with you and yet you're reading it for yourself. And that's one of my goals for this podcast. And that is to encourage people to read the word more from themselves. Now when I do this, my aim is to present the word for what it is. Now, I might not always get it, and if I say something that is doesn't sound right, then I just encourage you to just write on the Facebook page. Um, the Facebook page is called the Revelation Podcast Post. Just look at the search engine on Facebook. You type it, and you click onto it, and you could leave a comment and say, you know, I heard you preaching about this. You know, it doesn't sound right, and I'll look back, and I'll address it, and we will come together to have the same mind as Christ. All right. Well, I do thank you for taking time of listening to this, and may God bless you.